Welcome to Maiden A to Z. My name is Eric. Jonathan here. And we have our guest, uh, a special guest this week, uh, who you might remember from... From last week. Last week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you probably, do, you probably do remember him. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you might have heard live, actually, how we came up with this idea, because it was, uh, sp- uh, you know, a reaction to, uh, to Eric bringing in these two songs at hand today. Yes. Like, uh, by his own choice, I presume. Or maybe you had a cunning plan. <laughs> I, I, I did not have a cunning plan, but it, it turned out uh, pretty pretty nicely. It's, it was really fun to uh, be a part of that show, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun last week, and uh, we yeah. uh, we did run into these two songs. Uh, so uh, we we kind of decided on the spot that uh, we should do it for another week, mm-hmm. so yes. in kind of similar fashion as to what we did with Henrik as well. That we you know we recorded once, and we had a lot of fun. And yeah. we had this uh, kind of unanimous idea of doing it again. So welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. And for a bit of a bit different episode today, you know. I realized, I, I realized uh, in our, wait, I just realized we didn't actually say who this was in case someone's not heard this before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yes. they might have heard us last week, right? Okay, well, yes. Anyway, it's Eric Arke again, Eric yeah. Arco, our good friend with the, the, the speedy bass fingers. The speedy bass yes, fingers. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the so, low end rumble. So how do you feel coming back for a, for a normal song episode? Uh, it, it feels really good. I listened to the Operation uh, Assassin episode uh, this, this oh, okay. past weekend when I was uh, cleaning, cleaning the house. And uh, I thought it was, uh, it was a cool um, you know, setup. I had only listened to the one with uh, Christian before, mm, okay. um, cool. before coming onto the show. So uh, I, I really like you know, the the setup of the episode and whatnot. So it's going to be fun to do this and focus on these two great songs. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fun to follow, follow through the band this way because mm. it's new to us as well. You know, it's a different way to, uh, just like Hendrik said, it uh, forces us to tackle songs in a certain order. And, and today it's two songs, well, maybe not that far apart in, in discography, but musically and lyrically, I think they are pretty much worlds apart. Or what would you say to that shock? Yeah, definitely. I mean, they're, they're, like you said, like they're just, there's not, there's what, like five years between them being released, I think maybe, maybe it's a little less, but uh, they're very different. They have very different feelings. They're very um, different songs. I mean, the, 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 the one sort of thing they have in common or one major thing they have in common is they're uh, both uh, solo uh, credits to, I guess, credit to Steve, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd imagine. And they're both kind of um, uh, have very prominent bass uh you know, riffs in them, I'd say. Uh, may- maybe the maybe one more than the other, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's... Yeah. And uh, yeah, I guess we, we kind of touched on it last time, uh, Eric, but uh, we like to ask guests, like, uh, first uh, first impressions of these songs. Maybe if you can recall, first time you heard, let's start with uh, Blood on the World's Hands, right? No, okay. Brothers, maybe. Brothers, oh, yeah, first okay, the brothers first. Yeah, yeah. that one, yeah, I remember from last week. Yeah. That you uh, talked about the, the kind of, 
the sequencing of Brainy World and how yeah, exactly. it just kept getting better and better. And was mm. so was this the peak? Was this the best uh, on the first listen? I think so. I think this was the the like the epitome where I was uh, blown away. Um, funny story. This song was actually one that I was supposed to play with my very very first band when I had played bass for about uh, two weeks or something, and uh, we played. We only played one song for like six months or something. We only played "NIB" by Black Sabbath, and <laughs> we only made it. Uh, we only made it past the. Uh, we only made it to that riff. We never made it uh, like to to, oh, to yeah. the chorus or anything. We only played that riff over and over and over again. Um, and, and now I'm I, curious, actually. Sorry to interrupt there, but I'm curious about did you, Eric Shaw. Did you uh, did you also have these classic like uh, rehearsal room songs that you could get halfway through? I, I told the, the the listeners before about my the yeah, as, um, as a bassist on Call of Cthulhu. You know how we, we didn't even know the structure. We made it up on the on the stage, you know, kind of winged it, so to speak. And uh, I, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning, weirdly enough, because I, I happened to be listening to uh, like uh, just a huge, gigantic mix list of all kinds of stuff, and then the Marilyn Manson song uh, or the Marilyn Manson version of "Sweet Dreams" came on, and I, I got a flashback to a band I was briefly in, uh, where we could get sort of we could get as far as to uh, yeah, I do the intro. We get to a bit where everyone else is supposed to come in and that never re- was able to happen really. So we just did the intro many times. And I think that's the main reason I've never really learned the whole song because I didn't have to, because I know we never got that far in the fucking song. Yeah. So. <laughs> so many of those songs we had that with uh, for whom the bell tolls, we skipped half the riffs because it's like, yeah. you, you wouldn't, you didn't really have the energy to look at your own performance and repertoire in a, with a critical eye. It was more like, it yeah. was so fun to just play. And th- that was it. And uh, yeah, I remember that from uh, from those years, and uh, you know, just you know, kind of, what would be the word? It's kind of like you're driving a truck with one wheel out of four, and you're still happy, <laughs> like sliding <laughs> exactly. along with your bandmates, uh, and, and that's yeah. just about it. And we did not NIB as well, but that mm. was a bit like three or four years into playing. So I even added like harmonies and stuff oh. because we had, we had growl at the time. So I also played the vocal melody on top, you know, the your love for me thing. <laughs> Uh, on the guitar so oh, that's Some awesome is there and uh, yeah let's return to to eric arca and your, your yeah my uh, story yeah band uh, story yeah uh, and those guys i remember coming to the first rehearsal and they i had because this was pre-internet days for me uh, i grew up up in the northern woods so uh, internet came like the the fast uh, you know um fiber. Band. yeah fiber and why not came pretty uh, late in my uh, early musical career, so to speak. Um, so I remember hearing the song for the first time at rehearsal, and I heard the bass intro, and uh, they were like, "Yeah, this is your moment to shine." And I could, I, I was terrified because I, I, I could barely play. So uh, we decided to skip the intro. Uh, anyways, uh, then they said, "Like, yeah, let's play these songs as well." And they said, uh, "Our Maiden Blood Butters." And I, of course, I had never heard a song, so I I went home and I used my dial-up modem to get the tab at least. And uh, the the tab the tabs were terrible back then, even yes. even back then. Uh, so I I couldn't make out the song from from those tabs. Uh, but that was, was my like my first encounter with the song, uh, like seeing the title and whatnot. Uh, and I remember seeing that there were chords on the bass. <laughs> And I thought, that's weird. That must be wrong. <laughs> there is something wrong here. 
you can't do that. <laughs> um, but then uh, two years later or so, when I got the album and I heard the song, I was like, oh my god, it makes it makes sense. Of course, there are chords here. And uh, I think I got the Rock in Rio uh, CD pretty early on after, you know, um, getting the copy of the album of Brave New World. Uh, and, you know, the live version is just, it just blew me away. And I think I managed to get the VHS VHS version as well. And seeing just Janet Gears doing his soul, it was, yeah, it, it blew me away. That was... That's cool. And uh, I think... Uh... I can recall exactly the moment when I heard it the first time. It was at my friend's mm. house, you know, kind of, I think during lunch even, you know, we escaped home because he lived so close to school. And uh, and I think I I've, I had bought the CD the, the, the day, bef- day before that or something, but I hadn't really registered as far as four songs in because it was a lot of musical information for me at 30. Yeah. And yeah. Then I remember I thought it was, well, my brothers, well, my brothers, <laughs> <laughs> like, why is he singing that? It makes sense to me, you know, and it took some time for this song to land for me. It was not an instant, you know, like, wow. It was more, I felt that it was a bit of a off sounding song. It wasn't, you know, aggressive or fast or anything. And you have this very clean, diatonic, you know, boom, 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 mm. Celtic again, right? So uh, it was not an instant hit on my end. But for you guys, how was it? Yeah, for me, um, it took me uh, when I because I got the album in uh, the day it came out, and then I uh, I listened to it, and it kind of you know I, I didn't I did not like it, but it took a couple weeks more for me to really get into it actually, and I've had this experience once or twice um, in my life, and this was at when they were do, when they when I heard the song live at uh, Stockholm Stadium on the twenty seventh of June, uh, yes. year two thousand. And that was such a th- th- that song live in that setting with everyone there and that whole kind of sort of feeling of community and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, that that's probably the moment. If, without that moment, I wouldn't be here doing this. I don't think. But, Pretty uh, much. But, yeah, and that's and, exactly and I was, what I what I was alluding yeah. to as well. Yeah, continue. Mm-hmm. And the, the, it's, it was one of those moments where it's like, and I, you know, I've had them every now and again. I can't spontaneously think of other songs at the moment, but I'll, maybe maybe it'll come to me. Where after hearing it like that. In sort of my very young naive mind, was like, well, when I, when we were the, when the gig when the gig was over, when we left. I was like, well, how is the world? How is how is the entire world not changed because of this 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 song? Because that that's how big it was for me, mm-hmm. and I sort of was surprised that nothing it nothing everything was the same. Well, my uh, world changed too <laughs> at the same moment. I, I think I think a lot of people's world did, but it, it was just it was the kind of thing like, well, how is everything? You know, how is this not the mm-hmm. you know you know I don't know. It's it's hard, it's hard to explain, but it was. That's that's uh, that's not just that's the moment where I really got into, you know, uh, this song, but also more so this band. I'd say. Yeah. And Bruce used to dedicate it to. Uh, I think usually he dedicated it to different people uh, while playing this song live on different tours. He had like different sets of, and I remember he was dedicated to uh, to us in Sweden for bringing yeah, yeah, the yeah. world up to. Uh, I think gold, uh, probably gold album first or something like that. I don't know, and also the huge crowd they had. So. I remember thinking that he's sincere, you know, he's not just saying, Oklahoma, Wyoming. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. Good evening, Cleveland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember feeling a bit, you know, proud, I guess, as a yeah, yeah. fan at that moment. So, And I addressed last week that this song kind of went from being about Steve's father and their relationship uh, and him passing to, uh, it went from that to kind of become the fans' anthem, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. 
yeah it, it's kind of a, a healed world for the metal community in a way mm-hmm. uh, but in a more tasteful way i might might add i i think it's uh yeah, yeah. it's uh, i mean it, it kind of shows how great of a songwriter and uh, what a great sense of melody steve has because the Yo, chorus it's like the chorus is uh, three notes <laughs> that's all there is to it and yeah that's that's all you need three notes and you got you got yourself an anthem yes. um we we talked about that yesterday or i mentioned it and uh, got approval for 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 that idea that it is the simplest melodies in this song but uh, to kind of carry them you need a lot of uh, um, i would say passion and uh, um, passion and uh, commitment in in your playing or singing i think and that's usually the case the simpler the song is which, you know, I think uh, Arke may remember this, but, you know, getting into prog metal and stuff, you wanted to make everything so complex, you know, add That's five notes exactly. in the space of one. And uh, this was maybe a bit of a sobering experience for me, realizing that maybe three notes is, is harder to sometimes to really... Exactly. And I mean, percent. when you dissect good prog songs and prog metal songs, the, the great ones are usually the ones with simple hooks to them actually uh, like the dream theater classic pull me under that's yeah it's a great chorus and that's Very why good. it's it's a great song uh, same with metropolis uh, from the same album like the the opening riff yeah. i mean it's really simple and that's why it sticks um Sure. I mean, of course, it, it's it's really cool when you do all this, uh, you know, widdly widdly stuff, and you the crowd goes, "Oh my God, can they can they pull it off?" But when it all gets down, like to to when we look upon the the music of the world, uh, in the end, we will all think like, "Okay, the, the simple songs are usually the ones that we will come to think of." I think like when yes. when it's all said and done, and we we look behind it like the. In two thousands and whatnot, I think we will look at the simple songs and the the great melodies, and not probably the the widdly widdly stuff. I mean, yeah. I mean, pr- pr- probably if you like, you have someone who's leaving a Dream Theater concert, and if they're sitting humming a riff, it's probably not the bass intro to the Panic Attack. It's probably that one, because you know it's, exactly. that's what gets stuck in your you know stuck in your head. Yeah, but that's a catchy riff, though. That that's actually a catchy. No, can, can you I'm all cold in my hand. Sorry about the the sloppy Joe uh, there, but oh, yeah, that, 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 that was that was that was that, okay. That, that was pretty it's, catchy. Uh, yeah, kind of made right, it anyway. Yeah, 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 a little bit yeah. to Kimmeland. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pedal note. Yeah, pedal. Yeah, yeah, pedal note. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're right there. Yeah, nice, nice That's to have cool. the bass back in the house. By the way, uh, it was uh, yes, really definitely. enjoyable last week, and I hope for your listeners too that you enjoyed it as much as us because you know it's just a, it's a cool instrument, uh, and it's hard to play like, uh, you know, without reference. I think just in the air like this. So, uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I was beating myself up when I when I listened back to some <laughs> of the stuff. I was like, oh my god, I should have, I should have done a, a retake. But then again, I mean. <laughs> Zero it's retakes in that one. Zero, zero retakes, and yeah. it's it feels more honest. And uh, I told my wife when I came off the the previous episode that I was, uh, it was, it felt like I had done a gig, 
which I hadn't done the entire past year, so it felt great. I needed <laughs> I needed to like grab a glass of milk before, to calm down. Yeah. When I came down, I was like, oh, uh, shaking with uh, adrenaline. Shaking with fear. <laughs> yeah. No, not with fear, maybe. <laughs> no, adrenaline. adrenaline is a better word. And uh, I think uh, this song, uh, would you guys say that it brings up adrenaline or would you say that it's more of a soothing, calming song? Because I could see it being both. Both, yeah. both. but I, both. I think it depends on the, it depends when I'm listening to it and what I'm, you know, uh, in a live situation, definitely adrenaline. Uh, but it also, it's kind of has a very, you know, soothing kind of chill out kind of vibe too. Yeah. So I'd say both depend, depend very much depends. It, it's very Jethro Tull, uh, yeah. ish. Uh, I think Bruce actually recorded vocals standing on one leg, uh, when he did this one, <laughs> I, I, I read that somewhere to get such Jethro Tull vibes from it. And, um, I should again. do this episode on one leg standing up. <laughs> With that sounds like a pain in the ass. If you want to do it, go ahead. <laughs> no, not going to do that. But yeah, we got a bit of material on it too. Uh, maybe, uh, Eric, you wouldn't start, you wanted to start with, a, I think you took out some more bass for it, right? Um, for, for this song? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got the intro. So I, rem- cool. I remember hearing it and I tried to, you know, replicate it with the gear I had at hand when I was 15, which was, of course, a Herculean task. Um, but I could never get it down like properly. And that's because there's this keyboard thingy playing along with it, which kind of, you know, beefs it up because uh, uh, it kind of sounds like he's playing it down there, which he isn't. He's playing it up there. Um, so, yeah, that was... Sure. No, that that kind of shows how important Rock and Rio was to me when I was learning bass. Like, see, just being able to see Steve where where he played the notes on the on the fretboard. That was kind of kind of a big thing to me, actually, for me. So, if I'm not mistaken, you played through the whole thing, right? Rock and Rio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was my. <laughs> my uh, summer routine playing yeah. through the entire set of Rock and Rio. I I, I did it. Uh, not the last summer, but the summer before that. Uh, before yeah, I was, you know, tweaking my tones before a festival gig with uh, Six Feet Deeper. So uh, I had my rig set up here in my studio, and I had my headphones on, and I was like, ah, "Oh fuck it, I'm gonna go for it!" And I played through <laughs> pretty yeah. much the entire show. There were a few hiccups here and there, but uh, it felt like I was seven, um, seventeen again. So that was that was great. <laughs> yeah, cool. And uh, speaking of uh, trying to hear the bass and trying to decipher what's in the song, have you heard the? You guys, have any of you heard, heard uh, the rock mix of this song? I have not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, back in the day when that, because that, that was a B-side on one of the, I think it was on B-side, so some kind of single, because I know I had it at some point. I don't have it anymore, unfortunately. But uh, Wildest Dreams, actually. Yes, all right, uh, there like, we go, uh, yeah. Oh, the DVD version of that, which I'm not sure what, uh, what that would entail, but maybe you know, because I didn't know there was DVD singles. So what it was, was... Um, uh, in a sort of attempt to be as I guess high tech as possible for the time, um, the, uh, uh, the 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 disc had had the, the the audio tracks like a regular CD, but also had there's also you know you could also put in DVD player and you get to see. I think it was the not particularly great Wildest Dreams video. <laughs> 
Uh, and then I think there was just like audio versions of the songs. Like, so you get like, it would like be the song, but with like some sort of graphic behind it. I mean, by today's standards, the graphic was, you know, you know, you, 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 you can probably get more impressive stuff just on the Spotify app these days, but then it was pretty high tech and cool. Yeah. Let's, so let's have a listen to this version. It's kind of interesting. I think mm-hmm. I, I did prepare a clip and, uh, uh, I noticed that uh, you get another vibe entirely without the, all of the keyboards and kind of strings and, and whatnot in this yep. song that brings you closer to maybe something like peace of mind sound because it's very Ooh. much one not one track you know obviously nico has several but it's just one instrument you know take per person so it's kind of well, this is cool basic so let's see and tell me if it's too loud or not i haven't loud heard enough. this one uh, okay here we go rock mix Definitely, it's a different, definitely different vibe. Yeah, totally different vibe. Mm. Yeah, quite different, right? You can hear in the chorus that uh, now it's power chords left. That's it, you know. And mm. uh, yeah. that three-note melody that um, Eric described earlier—that's all you have there. And I think it holds up still. I do like uh, what the, I think. What was his name? Jeff. Jeff Deacon. It wasn't Jeff Deacon. <laughs> I have to remind myself on that, but I'll, I'll check it out soon. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, Eric, you hadn't heard this. I, I hadn't heard this one. Yeah, never. Uh, I've heard the the alternate version of Wicker Man, but not this one. Oh, with, this the, was, with the added vocal line, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Thy will be done thingy. Uh, but this I had it, yeah. not heard, and this was really cool. Uh, it felt. I mean, if this would have been an unplugged version, it would totally have made sense. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, it felt a bit. I want to say barren, but you know, naked or yeah, yeah. there's something missing. You yeah, kind of uh, naked. Yeah, and uh, let's listen to another part where it really sticks out: uh, the, the fact that it's less dense, uh, like l- less layering. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, so quite a different vibe, right? Uh, I must say yeah, I kind of like it because of, you, have, you know when you heard a song so many times, it's fun to hear it in another setup. It feels but, fresh. Yeah, in uh, a way. And more, it sounds more like it could be maybe off of peace of mind or something like that because of the more sparse um, setup musically. But uh, mm-hmm. of course, I like what they did in the original version, and we can touch a bit more on that. Uh, but yeah, maybe first some bass comments coming in. Some bass comments. Um, yeah. We we were on this part before, right? You brought it out for for last week's episode. This um, yeah, part. exactly, exactly the. I think I played it like that, but it sounded more like when I heard this version. I I I don't know if like I I've I've been hearing stuff wrong this entire time, or if it's the the broadcast <laughs> over Google Meet. Uh, I don't know, but yeah. You could really hear the guitars that go along with Steve's bass lines in this version a lot better, especially in the intro. You could really hear, um, I don't know if it's who it is who's doubling him on that riff, but you could really hear it in this version, which I found a bit refreshing, and uh, it kind of made the mix make more sense to my teenage self, if, if that makes any sense. Like, I kind of understood it better now, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does make sense, and I think I think you can hear the three different guitars very clearly when you listen to this version. Very much so. More clearly even than the live versions, where they have quite prominently featured keyboards. And the the guy on the record uh, on Brave New World, his name is Jeff Bova, or Jeffrey Bova. Uh, it's an American guy, and he worked with big names. Uh, we have Celine Dion, Michael Jackson, Blondie, Eric Clapton, Joe Cocker, Cyndi Lauper, Herbie Hancock, you know, Meatloaf huge artists and uh, apparently he uh, steve didn't get to control him either and didn't need to he just sent the stuff and he claimed himself that he was worried what was going to come back and uh, what did come back uh, he was very pleased with it instantly so um, i think this guy knows what he's doing uh, steve described him like this uh, lunatic that sits in his room with uh, you know uh, meters of synthesizer and just uh, <laughs> he's able to come up with any sound on his own you know this kind of a mad scientist you could you could really tell that you know the that line uh, i think i can hear a counterpoint melody in the keys now that i hear now that i've heard this version i think there's like a hidden counterpoint mm. thing going on in the strings i could be wrong don't quote me on that but <laughs> <laughs> so, like kind of a different pace or like a retrograde or what, what could that be yes something or, or just a, a, a harmony something i i don't know i i just i just heard it i think or i didn't hear it and i thought that <laughs> thought it was missing i realized another thing this is the first time for us on brave new world uh, so we could afford some comments on the album in general, but we've, we already did comment on it, I guess, because I think, yeah, it, was I think a big so, yeah. one, it was a big one for all of us, right? For me, it was yeah, kind of the big definitely. one coming into the band. It, this was the album, and you hear it exactly. more often. Uh, like uh, Maiden Podden, Joel, came into mm-hmm. the band with this album. I think a lot of people did, and uh, you know, looking at the cover, this uh, cloud eddy above uh, future London, I still mm. get the same feeling. 
it's really connected to my to my musical mind. I would say I'd, very I'd like much to, so. I'd like to go to just to say, and I I, uh, that I think that's the last really good album art work they've done. I kind of like Book of Souls, but everything else has been kind of they've kind of leaned too heavy on the um, uh, computer mm-hmm. imagery stuff. Uh, I think maybe Final Frontier could have been really cool if they'd. You know, they, they could make tweak it or make it make it. I don't know. There's because ahead of Final Frontier, they released a single El Dorado, and the artwork for that was very comic booky, and that looked really cool. So yes. they'd done that for that album cover. It would have been amazing. They didn't do that, so it didn't. Really, no, so, Brave New World is so cool. Yeah, and then after, of course, we had Dance of Death, which is an album cover of uh, epic proportions, and that's epic uh, failure. <laughs> Yeah, epic yeah. nightmares. Yes, you know, no one understands Steve. You know, no one no. could. I guess it's just for some reason he wanted that. The, the artist didn't even want his name on it. Uh, but yeah, I think the case with this one is that I can uh, understand that. Yeah, I can. I can. Derek Riggs actually put uh, he drew drew the Eddie in the clouds. Right, yeah. It was kind of superimposed on this uh, digital oh. artwork by another guy. But uh, it really worked for me at the time. You know, it really brought me into the Maiden world. Like I had my own version of maiden you had seen a number of the beasts yeah. power slave etc but now there was this new one that was kind of uh, that was the world i walked into as exactly walked into. this is blue yeah. blue lit my first my first maiden t-shirt as well was the brave new world shirt a second i think for me something like that can't find it anymore i don't know where it no, is me neither no i don't know where it yeah. is i i bought one a few months back at h uh, hom h&m yeah. Uh, they had the Brave New World T-shirt, so I got it. Oh wow! My, my wife got it for me, and I, I'm, I think, yeah, I mainly got it because there was this uh, Facebook group. I'm not gonna name which one, but they were outraged over this T-shirt. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get that one. He has to piss you Puritans off. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the cover suits the all of the music on the album. It kind of, I mean, if you look at the cover and you listen to the songs, it, it kind of makes. A, makes it a concept album in my at least in my brain yeah. like all of the songs could like be of characters in this universe that you're seeing on the cover s- somehow i mean yeah i agree I, was, I think that's an effect with maiden how they package it that it always is feels a bit like a concept right you have a uh, peace of mind for example is clearly not a concept record but no, i no. always get that uh, dark uh, earth vibe you know like uh, gravel or uh, gravel or dirt when I hear yeah. it like and then it fits into the concepts like trooper and stuff I feel like the trooper has that color uh, you know just kind of mud on the boots kind of thing and uh, also is weirdly enough like the 98 version of peace of mind this is a tangent here so bear with me but <laughs> the 98 yeah. version the booklet has a smell and it's the same smell on every piece of mine booklet from the 98 version. Oh, I got to smell that. I got that somewhere. Uh, so me and my me and my friend call it peace of mind often. <laughs> it's just, it's inmis- unmistakable. You know, any copy of that from 98, I don't know where they printed it. And I don't know what it smells like. But for me, it's the smell of peace of mind. Strange, right? <laughs> I, I have um, a sort of behind my record player and behind my speakers, I have this sort of a, a lighting system so I can change the color of the lights. Uh, um and for a few albums, there's a very specific, I'll change this very specific color, and uh, Peace of Mind is one of them. And it'll either be, it's it's sort of like yellowy-orange, kind of like the cover, but more reddish kind of thing. And, you know, it's uh, each Maiden album for me has a very specific, you know, yeah. color. And I'm not just talking about the artwork, because that's, that's pretty obvious. But Right. Um, 
Yeah, uh, but yeah, that de- I gotta go. I'm gonna go smell my peace of mind. <laughs> yeah, check out the 98 version. You will recognize it. I mean, it's it's odd. But I think also, smell the 98 version. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, that, that should be a t- that should that should be a T-shirt for us. Yeah, so. <laughs> smell the glove. Yeah, that's a good T-shirt. You're right. Yeah. Uh, Made in A to Z. You should smell the 98 version. <laughs> <Eight> version. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it comes makes sense with brain world it's blue uh, just like uh seven sun so if i feel the connection there with uh, adrian uh-huh. smith coming back in it's for me it's seven sun part two even though they're not really that similar and they're not at all really touch quickly on the production i have things no. to say as usual but i'd like to ask you instead eric uh what do you think about the sound the i mean sonics. this was kind of like the i made an album for me uh, when I got into the band, so this was kind of the production that I wanted because this was how I perceived them for the first time. Um, so when I heard uh, "Peace of Mind," I thought that it sounded kind of, you know, uh, not sloppy but unpolished compared. Because I really like this production. I know some um, of the uh, older fans um, like went a bit ballistic over this production because they thought it sounded like too too much or too polished and whatnot. But to me, this is how how Maiden should sound, and uh-huh. uh, that's probably a generational thing. I th- I guess could be. Yeah. yeah, I think it may be some triggers involved also on the probably on the, on the kick and snare, uh, which I guess is a little bit left field from Maiden. But I think Nico addressed triggers already back around Fear of the Dark, saying that he was starting to open up to the idea of yeah. a more uh, studio drum sound. You know, not only his live version. I was just gonna say uh, for people who don't know. Uh, what triggers are? Maybe we should right. briefly explain right. that because it's, it's, it's not triggers in the 2021 version of triggers. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, they're not getting, getting triggered. <laughs> no, but they are triggers for some drummers. Yeah. Uh, very true. Very true. <laughs> yes, uh, that is. There you go. Yeah. Well, I guess it's easy to explain. Actually, it's like when you hit when you hit the the drum at hand. Uh, there's information about when you hit it, and that information calls for a sample that is already pre-recorded. And you mix that in with the, whatever drum sound you have. So it's almost like a semi-digital kit, in a sense, Yeah. when you trigger. And uh, I mean, when it's done well, you can't really tell if it's uh, no. an added trigger sample or if it's just a very, very good recording. And I think that's the case with this lovely drum sound on, on Brave New World. And I mm. remember clearly that I thought, because I had heard Maiden prior, that this sound is my sound because it was yeah, more yeah, aggressive... Yeah more hard hitting in a sense. And I mean, maybe it's not my favorite made in production today, but it definitely was for the longest time. And it could still be, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna jump the gun on that one though. <laughs> for not me, sure. for me, it's still up there. I'd say it, 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 it is, you know, it has a very kind of sleek and modern sound, but it also sounds very, it doesn't sound like a lot of other stuff that was happening around that time. Cause you got a lot of new metal and all that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. where the drums sound, there's, there's the, the sound wise, production wise, there's a lot of, there was a lot of metal around that at that time. Didn't really have a personality. Didn't really feel like anything. It, it felt very, uh, you know, very, you know, very well done, but just very kind of, you know, boring and, you know, no, no real sort of personality. Yeah. Whereas this has a very specific, uh, sound, and uh, you know, like the drum, the, everything from the drums to it, everything just sounds. You know, it's a, it's just a great sounding record. And I still think, again, when I, uh, when I heard it initially, uh, for me for a long time, it, it was probably my my favorite Iron Maiden production up to that point. Uh, I still think it's way up there, but it, you know, it might not be my absolute favorite. But uh, it's yeah, it's still it holds up. It, and a lot of stuff from that era, you know, other bands does not hold up production wise. Yeah, no. So. 
I think, uh, and I think like yeah, a huge ahead. part of the sound is that they did it live in a room together. That that is, it it isn't done to a click track no. with everyone like laying down their stuff to the drums and whatnot. It's done in a room with people looking at each other. Uh, I know Kevin Shirley did uh, the Mr. Big record. What if after like shortly after this one or like a few years afterwards, and he did the same things with with them and i i recall paul gilbert saying was that was felt so fresh and billy sheen said the same thing like it, it felt so fresh to do it because yeah. and i think that's why it holds up compared to some of the other albums from the same era like the the new metal ones like production wise mm-hmm. because they were done uh, at the dawning of the digital age when everything was you know you had I remember hearing about Pro Tools and how mm. Metallica did time stretching and whatnot, and I yeah. thought, I mean, that's cheating. That's not how how music should be made. Yeah, <laughs> I've been listening. I've been listening to Ozzy Osbourne's autobiography now, and he he, he was like, "Yeah, we did the first album in one day. That's how records should be made. You shouldn't spend five years pissing out." <laughs> I mean, and <laughs> again, like his last album is absolutely contrived. It's absolutely absolutely like click MIDI sounding album you know i just i just before we started recording <laughs> told eric that i re- actually really like that one but yeah sure <laughs> yeah i, I like uh, i like Ozzy uh, on albums that are not popular as well actually like uh, like 90 stuff no more tears maybe that is a popular album now that i think i, I think that know. is a popular one but no I, I, but yeah, the, yeah. the latest one i think is you know there's there's, there's not it's not a, the best thing he's ever done but there's still some good stuff on it you know i still enjoyed it i i like the producer i mean i i'm not the kind of guy that would you know have a bad smell just because he worked with Post Malone, you know, and Post Malone is actually a pretty good musician as well, you know. He, he can, really is. He can play, and he's a, like a metalhead, you know. Well, uh, I, I saw something, this was back sort of in the early days of, the, you know, the, the pandemic when people were, and this was, uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, anything happening at all was a big deal, and, you know, so so when he was doing, he was going to do a live stream where he, he meant two other guys were going to play through a bunch of Nirvana songs. So, you know, normally it's not the kind of thing I would, you know, give a shit about, but I, I watched it and it actually was really good. Uh, he did the guitar and vocals. Uh, I think, the, I think the whole thing's available on YouTube still. And uh, he's one of the few guys I've heard pull off Nirvana songs that aren't Kurt. And uh, it was, That's yeah, cool. It, was it wasn't really cool. Puddle, the Puddle of Mud version. <laughs> no, this, this came, I think that that came uh, about the same time, I imagine. But no, this was a, a lot better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's not too hard. To, so, sorry, but yeah. No, I think he knows too. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he's listening, so I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, very new world, the uh, cool production. I think they use enough of the of the new. Like I'm, I'm catching on to what you said, Eric, uh, about the times and uh, many bands. It was, uh, you know, they had figured it out so they could make it perfect, and uh, then it's not perfect, right? Uh, you know, perfection, exactly. Perfection is not perfect uh, in in the case of music. And the fact that Brain World really is live on the floor type feeling. But I think Kevin, because I'm a huge uh, Martin Birch fanboy, but I like Kevin Shirley a lot too. And I think what he does that I really try to do myself is that he uses modern equipment, modern methods of like, uh, you know, um, take this away, put that in and so forth. But with an attitude that is old school and analog. So, you, I mean, you shouldn't shy away from, from good tools just because you could overuse them. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Uh, you can use them to your benefit and stay with a good attitude from, from the old school. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, the digital advantages that you get, I mean, in a way, it's nothing too not similar to what you could do with tape. I mean, I remember what Bruce told, said in his book about um, Thunderstick's drumming, that they had to like splice it up and 
assemble it <laughs> in a way like you do in Pro Tools and Logic and whatnot with time stretching these days. So, I mean, the, it's been around ever since we learned how to record ourselves, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, you, you've, you've always wanted to uh, sheet and, uh, you know, figure stuff out to, you know, make, fix those small uh, mistakes, I guess. But, yeah, but once it takes over, once you start polishing everything it's it loses its soul i think i, I remember yeah. i i played some bass with uh, a couple of friends of mine and uh, this one guy was sitting at, at the computer and like hitting record and i had just heard a song uh, and i laid down some bass and i was like oh can i do one more take and i, I think i did one more take and i was like yeah one more and i, I i'm gonna get no i got it now and he started you know time stretching and moving my n- notes around i was like this is this is wrong yeah. <laughs> this is this is so un- uh, not sexy it's yeah. and i could come out and admit that i taught myself how to do this before i taught myself how to play really tight so i did it a lot you know on my earlier records that i produced or, or performed on or um, composed on i did so many cuts <laughs> so many cuts uh, you know a song could be 800 cuts uh, you know uh, <laughs> it was entirely possible that it could be that many and obviously, I still use that function, but now these days, I'm also more like, let's do another take. <laughs> you know, let's do another. Yeah, complete. we have the time. Let's do another one. Yeah, I, I kind of think. I mean, I, when I was, um, especially, you know, m- mostly because of this this particular record, I uh, sort of had an attitude for a while that you know, doing multiple cuts and all that kind of stuff was cheating because you know, look, Iron Maiden, they just did it live, and now I'm kind of more like, well, I mean, you know. I agree when I do things, you know, I'd rather get it in the one go rather than do like, you know, 3000 small things. But if you're trying to, if you're trying to create a, you know, a finished package that people are going to enjoy, I don't see anything wrong with, you know, doing that really. No, but no, of course, of course. Yeah. When you make a record, you make a record, right? You don't, you don't, yeah, yeah. it's not like exactly. a documentation of your performance in that sense. And to add to that, Kevin surely uses Pro Tools to, cut out bits and pieces and take bits from different takes into the yeah, yeah, final yeah. version. So it's not live, you know, in that sense, but it captures the live energy of the band. No, definitely. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So uh, I have like two, th- two more things on this song, but uh, maybe mm. you have also like something you wanted to add. before. I, I have one. Have you heard this? If you listen to Brave New World, uh, oh, no, sorry, Rock and Rio on Spotify, and I can't remember which song comes before this one on, on the live version. I, I blank think it's, out. Uh, I'll check. But because uh... uh, if you listen to the Spotify on Spotify, mm-hmm. uh, Nikos Kaunin uh, usually does one, two, three, two, 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 because he, he does these, uh, I guess, dotted quarter notes like duh, 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 duh. yeah. Right. But on this one, he does six hits. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't make sense because I mean the song is in six eight, but he he does them like dotted. Mm. <laughs> I, I I don't know why. I I wonder if there is something wrong with the editing, like of the of the uh, uh, what's the yeah there there's that a word be, for yeah. this uh, when when you like uh, put put the album together. Uh, I wonder if there is something wrong there, like there, if there's an editing mistake. I have no idea, but a friend of mine pointed this out to me. I, I remember I was sitting on the subway and it was like, have you heard the count into Bra- to Blood Brothers? Yeah, it's, uh, he, he just plays the dotted quarter notes. Mm-hmm. No, he plays six of them. It should be four. Yeah, that's odd. <laughs> that's odd with countings. That's fun too. I don't know if you will 
connect to this. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But like I've heard recorded gigs of mine, and therefore the, the count-in is absolutely different tempo. And then yeah. we hit it at the right tempo out of memory. <laughs> so it's like, don't tat, you know, and a different. It's just for arbitrary hits sometimes and then the band comes in you know if the, if the drummer is nervous or something this happens a lot i don't know have you have you experienced this i've experienced the opposite with uh, emil <laughs> who, who plays in six feet deeper he's i mean he blows me away at every gig uh because i mean i, I think it comes to me playing too much iron maiden growing up that I, i tend to rush i tend to get like all excited and adrenaline fills me and i try to rush things when it comes to my playing uh And I remember us playing a gig at the pub anchor here in Stockholm, and I was totally co- convinced myself of the tempo of the song that was coming up. And he does the counting, and it's it, I was like, oh my god, it, it's so slow! But as soon as we start playing, I was like, this is the album tempo. It's perfect. How? Oh, <laughs> How does he do that? Yeah. So <laughs> since that gig, it was very early on. Uh, playing together since that gig i i never question his tempos <laughs> yeah no i mean he's a drummer i'm a guitarist so i mean obviously timing is not my forte no. but I, <laughs> <laughs> standard yeah, but, yeah but i did yeah. i did practice it quite a bit and i'm like i'm a bit smith in that fashion that i like to kind of try and pull it down a little bit because i feel that if it's two or three bpm too slow it's okay but if it's five too fast you're starting to sound amateurish and i think older nico is quite nice in this regard If you listen to live chapter or uh, the new live album, I think he has a nice pocket. You know, he, he, he really does. Stays uh, focused. You know, he doesn't rush and fly mm-hmm. away. And I think that started in in the millennia, actually, like from this album and onwards. He started to find this uh, more um, reassured in a way. Nico that wasn't rushing to to get to the next part. No, exactly. Yeah, the the other thing was uh, lyrics. I usually hog this one, so I thought I might want to send it over to to Shaw this time. You know. Uh, well, you're usually uh, yeah, you're usually the big lyric guy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, let's see. I mean, I mean, okay. So I haven't. Um, so apparently, like you said, this song was about his father's uh, passing, initially, yeah. which 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 initially I said I didn't I didn't get from reading it. Um, When I was, you know, a kid, it was much later that I kind of stumbled onto that fact. And I think as a lot of his stuff, it'll seem to be kind of be about one thing, and then it would, you know, ultimately mean something else to him, I guess. But it's sort of like the, you know, the, the words and whatnot, and the whole thing is sort of mean something very different now. I think uh, maybe not to him because I mean he wrote the damn thing, so I guess it's probably, <laughs> you know, it's probably, you know, for him it probably still means that, but for it's could have come to mean something a lot, you know, different to a lot of a. You know, to all the fans, like you like you said, beginning of this, it's you know sort of become an anthem, uh, yeah, uh, for the fans. And I think, but it also has a kind of let me let me let me pull up the lyrics here just while we're talking about it because it'll make it a little yeah, easier. Sure, uh, I could jump in in the in the meantime with uh, my favorite part of the lyrics in this one. I think it's uh, definitely uh, the part uh, that the kind of waltz part that was featured before. Uh, when you think that we used all our chances, the chance yeah. to make everything right. Keep on making the same old mistakes. Uh, makes untipping the balance so easy when we're living our lives on the edge. Say your say a prayer on the book of the dead. I think simple but pretty cool. It's just you know this kind of idea that uh, 
you don't really know what's going to happen. You're never fully safe, you know, when it comes to uh, to life, really. No. And that you know, exactly. the balance is so easy. Uh, if you could easy example, if you're in New Orleans and storm comes in, your life could well, be changed forever. And that's weather, you know, <laughs> you can't control yeah. that kind of stuff. And uh, it's like this kind of, where is faith going to bring you? That kind of thing. Fate. Fate. It's it's also kind of worded in a very kind of, where it's kind of, it has a mystical quality. And the sort of, there's a lot of songs in this album that have that. For sure, Ghost and Navigator. Uh, maybe not so much The Wicker Man, but still kind of. But definitely Brave New World has a thing about, you know, dra- dragon queens and all those kind of stuff. And it's sort of, and that makes it kind of more interesting. Where it's like, you, you got it, you, you have these... You know, like th- that's pretty the 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 concept of not knowing what's going to happen and knowing that anything could change in any given moment. That's pretty, you know, something that that's probably something that every everyone kind of thinks about every now and again and worries about. But it's it's that very basic and obvious thing, but put in a very poetic kind of cool and you know beautiful way, which yeah. is you know what he's which is which is he's very good at. Yeah, it could so totally. easily be it could so easily be cheese. You know, walking through the garden of life. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, it works. And I think that's the strength with Maiden, that they're not shying away from potentially cheesy uh, topics or lines, like uh, when you're taking a walk through the Garden of Life. You know, yes, uh, and we, uh, as, as, we, as we know from the Assassin episode, they're clearly not shying away from saying <laughs> stuff that doesn't fucking yeah. sound. <laughs> then again, I mean, she's and simplicity. I mean, it, it, it makes it stick. So yeah. why, why shy away from it? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, this song has so many great lines, in my humble opinion, uh, one that comes to mind is uh, on the live version of Rock in Rio, uh, w- when Bruce sings like "In the streets where the babies are burnt," mm-hmm. and St- Steve is singing along, and I, I remember hearing that line and I just think like, "Oh my God, that's that's intense." Yeah. It is a really intense line, um, and uh, there are times when I feel I'm af- <laughs> afraid, afraid of the world. world. There are times, yeah, there are times I'm ashamed of us all. Yeah, uh, it kind of. I mean, I thought about this yesterday, uh, about these two songs that we're talking about in this episode. They are miles apart, yet they kind of... You, you, I can see them coming from the same guy who's experienced a lot in these five years between them. Mm. Yep, yep. Like the, 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 the second song, uh, in, in my world, is a bit more about... Uh, com- it comes from a guy who's a father uh, and who is concerned about his kids. And... Uh, then this one, it kind of comes from, uh, there is this, uh, uh, like, um, oh, I, I don't know what the word, but there is this um, concept of uh, life that um, when you have kids, you're no longer the main character. You're like, you're part of, um, you're, you're, you're the second paper in the book, so to speak. There's yeah. another paper above you. You can still see you underneath this uh, blank paper, but you're, you're not the main character. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Uh, I remember when my grandfather died that my dad say, said something about, you know, um, him being the oldest one now. And I think, the, I, in a way, you can f- tell this in the song that it's like Steve knows that he's he's the patriarch of the mm-hmm. family now. He's he's the oldest one. Yeah. His father is gone. He's no longer, uh, there is no longer a father to turn to, right. which, uh, which is kind of, you know... <laughs> kind of kind of big and kind of uh, it really is yeah. very big and yeah. we were on this and like it's connected to age of innocence actually what i called grandpa harris you know his grandpa face mm-hmm. and i think yeah. this is the this is the epitome of that this is the best version of that because sometimes i'm ashamed of us all 
that's very much mm -hmm. connected to the age of innocence is fading right uh, exactly yeah, of course that's later and also the song that we will get to in a while uh, uh, blood on the world's hands you know that's definitely sometimes i'm ashamed of us all the same message that he, he usually tried when he got older he started to reflect a lot on what humanity is and from this uh, perspective of being a father and a grandfather i don't know when he actually became a grandfather but i know that he is uh, today uh, maybe not here uh, you know i don't know but uh, yeah uh, good lyrics and uh, this mm -hmm. i think this is the most striking of all his uh, grandpa lyrics uh, you know, yeah fittingly enough i would say mm -hmm. and i'd say just because of just like you know the, the how the world seemingly gets more divided, you know, every, by every passing year. How, even though that's not really what he meant, uh, the sort of the the, the whole the, the, that bit, you know, uh, uh, well, both easily. You know, the time is when I feel I'm afraid for the world. All that and that bit, and how this song has sort of become like an anthem of sort of unity. I think it, you know, be, mm -hmm. it's more and more going to be meaning that going forward than it probably what he initially meant. And uh, but yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's you know, I think that uh, I mean, uh, you know, if hopefully. We'll get to hear this live at some point again. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be hearing any songs this year, but, uh, you know, yeah. live. But, well, you know, ho hopefully. Uh, we probably won't be hearing this one because that's not on the, you know, that's not what they're doing this time around. But I think that it's uh, it's sort of become a, it, it went from becoming a, you know, I think it's become more and more important even for the fans of this song. Uh, you know, and there's a great version on the, the latest, not the latest, sorry, the second latest live album from the Book yeah. of Souls tour. It's really good. So good. Yeah. yeah. I think it really, really kicks major ass in that version. And uh, I'm going to finish the segment with that, but uh, we might have something more before. This was a, this was a big one to get through, eh? <laughs> yeah, so yeah sorry. <laughs> I can't sorry, sorry, but I'm sure uh, I, I have one thing I need to say about this song, mm -hmm. and it's the solo. I mean... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, mm. yeah I, I, I sent you guys my... I mean, so nice. I think it's one of my all-time favorite Iron Maiden solos, yeah. and it's one of the most melodic ones, and it's played by Janik. Very simple. I'd say, I'd say, yeah, that, that is that is my favorite one. If I'm being honest, and I mean, most people associate him with you know the the shreddy, uh, pointy type stuff, but this is like, this is one of the solos that you can actually sing, yeah, pretty much note for note. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, yeah, Jack yeah, usually uh, kind of it feels like he's almost losing it very often when he solos, like, yeah. whoa, shit, you know, it's all, in his improvisation, he's almost losing track. And this is the polar opposite of that, like, so, such yeah. control. And like I said before, it's this tone of grace, you know, it really very of, much. And that's the guy to bring into this type of Celtic sounding song. It's mm -hmm. like perfect for it, right? It's just a, it's his character that you want to hear in a guitar solo in this song. And it's not this, uh, you know, I can dig power ballads with this, you know, uh, lush uh, power ballad type solos, but this is not it. This is no. folk music kind of vibe to it and a very good moment for, for Janik to shine. And I think uh, his best version yet is on, on the last album, which was the segment I wanted to end this segment with uh, from Great. that one. Uh, do you want to play it first before, before we listen to the real thing? <laughs> No, no, not not more than that. I, I need to practice some of the the licks. Yeah. I I promise I'll do a a YouTube video of me playing along. Yeah, it's uh, so cool what you can do with a bass. Like uh, our yeah. friend uh, Christian from from the Adrian Smith solo episode. His brother is a bass player. You want him? Yeah. 
and he released a magnificent debut album like late late last year with no guitars on it yeah i i, I love his playing it's called stay dead stay dead uh, the band is called hollingshead and uh, i really i i was uh, super impressed by this you know uh, it's very cool it's very yeah, good he's amazing before. he's amazing you on i hadn't contacted the singer the singer for a long time but i had to send him a text message like hey you did a great thing <laughs> really cool album i like it a lot the vinyl is on its way but uh, yeah uh, do you have anything more on uh, blood brothers before the finishing clip does it uh i think i think i know the answer but we uh we need to ask obviously does it go on list or not and i would say definitely yeah it's on there i think it's a stare yeah. you know it's so stare. i don't know eric if you know what we, the way we do is uh, we, we have an official uh I, I say official it makes it sounds like there's unofficial ones that's not the case we have we have a maiden a to z uh playlist where the idea is that we when we go through the songs we just we discuss if we if, we, if the song is going to go on the list or not at yeah. the end of the day it's just going to be 50 songs uh this was gonna be top 50 and uh yeah so so far most of them you know a lot of them there's i can't i can't remember i don't have the list offhand right now but the way it works is essentially if um if you, there's no real rules of how it works uh it's if, if you know like friends i think most times we're agreed but if we when, we when we're not if we come to a point where we're not agreed i think it'll go in there anyways if, you know someone wants it on there we'll put it on there and later when we go through it again we can you know see uh for me this song would, would be on that list definitely yeah uh, and I think, so. uh, to that merit it also kind of this is a song that could rule some other songs like dance of death for example uh, there's quite a few songs with this type sound and i think its biggest rival would be the Klansman, I think, and mm-hmm. for this kind of Celtic uh, type vibe and oh yeah, 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 and that, that's very much so. Know, it's going to be tough to to uh, like curate the final fifty, but it's going to be fun too, you know. Yes, these discussions and uh, yeah, I mean, what better way to to end this segment than listen to to a live chapter version and. Uh, I had forgotten about Dave's solo. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty good solo. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great solo as well. It's a contrast to the song because it's slightly wild, you know. Yeah, very much so. Yeah.
Yeah, I mean, that's an anthem right there. That's like, it's the first word that comes to mind is uh, anthemic, I would say. Oh, yeah, very much that. so. And that's very a, just, much that's so. That's an amazing version. And hats off to Yannick for, for that solo. I mean, it's uh, it's not even perfectly in time, the whole thing through. Uh, even no, though it's but easy it's to time it, because it's the feeling takes over, I think. Very much yeah. so. And uh, yeah, Eric Shaw, do you have anything more on, like, uh, it, this was a hard one to do, I think. This is a dense song to discuss, so much to talk uh, about. Yeah, I didn't think we'd have as much to say about it. If I was, uh, yeah, but I mean, uh, it's you know, I think, I, think I think we've covered it all at this point. On this <laughs> yeah. One. <laughs> yeah, I think hopefully we didn't miss too much. I mean, yeah, I didn't. Also, I think we did a good job on this one. I didn't think it would take that much time, but it's worth it, you know. And I guess yeah. some songs, when you go into them, it's almost like uh, you feel a responsibility. And with this song, definitely for me, like I feel responsible to properly credit it for, for what it is. Very much so. Yeah, let's go. Let's go back in time. send you guys the clip right because i didn't play it live last time we recorded but uh, you've heard it now the the little interview snippet with with steve on, yeah uh, how nico wanted him to do a bass solo and this was his take on it on an acoustic yeah, yeah, yeah. at that and uh, i've said before and i can say it again that i actually i i do prefer your version i'm not i'm not sucking up to you <laughs> i think your version <laughs> is, is better than his final take on the album it sounds a bit oh, maybe too odd you know but uh yeah now i like it yeah, thank you uh, that means a lot. Uh, I, I remember, speaking of solos, I remember Steve told Nico on the first tour that you should do a drum solo. And Nico uh, replied that, well, you should do a bass solo. Well, I don't like bass solos. Well, you got a beautiful bass and you can play it reasonably well. Why not? <laughs> and Nico was like, I, it was a miracle that they didn't kick me out of the band there and then. All right. Shaw, <laughs> uh, uh, sure, what's your comment on bass solos? I remember we talked about anesthesia pulling teeth before. And both yeah, of us I mean, I think guitar. It, yeah, back in the day when I was, um, when I, uh, my, the reason that, uh, for those who maybe haven't uh, heard the story, and for you, Eric, I guess you haven't heard it either. Uh, when I first decided to play guitar, is because my cousin had copied a "Kill 'Em All" onto a cassette for me, and then I was, uh, he didn't, I didn't, I didn't have any song titles, I had nothing, and I got to the song that turned out to be "Pulling Teeth," and I thought that was guitar. For the longest oh. time. So I was like, oh, I got to learn how to do that. And then I didn't, you know, obviously I haven't done that because I was on bass. Um, <laughs> do you know it, Eric? Do you know uh, Pulling Teeth? Uh, I, I know parts of it. Uh, something like that. I, I have never played it properly. I did, I've done uh, three spoof videos called uh, 12 Types of Metal Bass Players. <laughs> and uh, I, I did do... Uh, cliff in the third episode because everyone was like you should do cliff burden so i did did the cliff mm -hmm. and i did a, a amalgamation of that that tune i've never learned it properly um funny story when i first heard about billy sheehan who is of course a huge influence on me i remember reading his name and i went to his homepage to look him up and he had some clips there 
this was early internet days and i clicked on one and it was this mp3 file that started playing and i was like when is the bass solo coming because <laughs> there was was all this with, the, with, the, with distortion i was like when is the bass coming yeah <laughs> Yeah, so we're and now, of course, there. I know. We've all been there then. And uh, maybe you're yeah. not a huge Metallica guy. Uh, I, uh, for me, it was always like a competition with Maiden when I was younger, you know. Like you had the yes. Metallica camp and you had the Maiden camp. And I kind of wanted Maiden to be a little bit harder or meaner so that I could stick with Maiden. But I always really liked Metallica. I'm, I have a almost similar obsession regarding that band. But I think it's still not like, it's not even top th- top three. I don't know. Uh, let's not get no. into that because uh, that no. Be a time, let's get into time waster. Some some bloody hands. Some bloody hands. Uh, blood in the world's hands. Uh, I also asked last time for like an impromptu version of the uh, the chorus riff that I think is really cool. Yeah, and, and now now I know it. So right. we should we'll we should that, be good yeah. now. Yeah, it's. Uh, Which, like you said, it's kind of death metal. I mean, yeah. if you had like some some blast beats and you played it in like B standard, it would totally be a cool, uh, like early Cannibal Corpse riff, yeah. <laughs> almost. It has that kind of it's so aggressive, you know, like very much so. So the 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 emphasis is not like on the rocking backbeat. It's more like an onbeat type, you know, like you could have like or it's it's towards that and i i think that was like my, uh, main, th- my main thing for getting back into the song like uh, we, we said both me and eric said that we didn't really catch on to it at once but that riff kind of pulled me into it if you will and uh, i think it's a really cool song it's nice to be on a on an x-factor song that i actually like you know because that album i mean we did give that album good tribute last week <coughs> So I think yes, we, we already did, yeah. kind of made quite clear why it's such a cool, good album, and sometimes it's, it's way up there in my in my top list. I don't know, uh, Eric Shaw, what's your connection to X Factor? Well, uh, we discussed this actually before we started recording uh, a little bit, but uh, when I was when I first uh, heard it, it was back when I was you know pretty young and uh, older cooler metal fans told me oh you're not supposed to like that one because that was you know not the real guy on it and all that stuff and the same kind of people who would say you shouldn't listen to load or reload by metallica um so initially i didn't like it because i was told i wasn't supposed to like it and then i when i got discovered it was actually pretty good so i do actually in fact um i do in fact enjoy it quite a bit uh this song however is one of those that took quite a few years for me to really get into it was actually in the grand scheme of things fairly recently, like in the last maybe like five or six years, I really started liking it. Uh, and I like it even more so after our friend here, Eric played it last week and I got to hear it that way. And, that mm-hmm. was, and then I listened to it again that right afterwards. Like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it is. I mean, it yeah. musically stands out with that intro that we, that, that one we really kind of covered already. And then you have that uh, death metal riff, but I also would like to address the, the chorus and the way it kind of the melody of the chorus and da 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 for me, it always gave this Catholic vibe, but I'm not the guy here <laughs> raised Catholic. So I want to run that. No, by no, you. I don't. Uh, I don't. This I don't. kind of cathedral, you know, kind of. It's very, very. It's about like the darkness of mankind, or I can feel like the kind of the sin within it, if you will. You know, like uh, you got to repent for this. But I want to run it by you that you may have a little bit more to say about this. 
I've never thought of it in that way, but uh, yeah, that could be true, I guess. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, because there's a song on the same album as Sign of the Cross that arguably feels a little bit more. Of course, yeah, more clearly. But, <laughs> but I've heard that that could be about football. <laughs> we'll get into that. I mean, they could all be about football, if we're being honest. <laughs> 11 saintly shrouded men, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, I, I haven't thought cool about song. that way, but yeah. I, I think Blood on the World's Hands, is, is, it projects a very serious uh, thought, a very serious frame of mind. Uh, it's a very serious album. Yes, very mm. serious. And, you know, it's just, he's blaming the world kind of for mankind, you know, if you will. Like, uh, this is on your hands. And uh, yeah. listing, mm. he comes in a little bit to this problem that he has sometimes when he starts listing stuff. You know. Yeah, it's Alexander the Great all over again. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, he listing things that comes in the savage raping and, and, and whatnot, you know, like kind of listing bad things that, that people mm. do in, in a sense. But uh, Meanwhile, well, someone's starving. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, at least he doesn't tell us to better watch out, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. this is not his best lyric, but it's, it's a cool one. And it's, it's, it's not cool his worst song. either. Not his worst either, no. Then. No, there are some really good parts. Um, it starts off really good, I think. Like sometimes it makes me wonder. Sometimes it makes me question. Always it makes me angry. Always it makes me. I can't remember the word. Uh, then, then again, it has the 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 apparition uh, thingy where it has that little. But when you can see it happening, matters these words that he kind of throws in to show you that okay, it it it's gonna continue after this. So, uh, I don't know about that that aspect, but. Then again, um, for me at least, it, it's kind of written from the perspective of, of a father mm-hmm. to, to who has somewhat go- grown-up kids at the time. Like you can, you can really tell that he's like scared for them, I guess, and uh, uh, and such. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, me and Eric, we got to know each other through doing this. So, but I'm quite sure you're not a father, right, <laughs> Eric Shaw? Uh, no, no. That's not a detail uh, I've missed, and neither am I, but you are, Eric. So, um, yeah, how do you feel I, I about, am. Uh, did you change your opinion uh, or your outlook on the world as you became a father uh, in any way, uh, you know, in any way possible or possibly in, in this way? I, I think I did. I think, for one, it, it made me like softer, or it, it, makes, me, it makes me cry easier mm-hmm. when I see horrible things and. <laughs> Uh, things that normally wouldn't make me sad or whatnot in movies uh, really, uh, you know, get to me. Like things I've seen many times before kind of get to me in a different way now mm. uh, after having my daughter. So yeah, it really affects you. Yeah, and also, uh, like you said very succinctly, you're no longer the main character, right? No, no, exactly. I'm, I'm, so I'm, I think maybe, you, maybe you, you care less about keeping your uh, surface or your like facade up because you have a, an important job now. Uh, exactly. Something like that, maybe. Yeah. I mean, even I've noticed it to some degree when I, because I have, I've started to get in, getting to know my, my nephew, who's just about uh, turning two. And even that changed me a little bit in that regard. Uh, not not the same extent, obviously, because I just, I don't see him quite as much. But like uh, this past year, when I sort of, when he's sort of becoming more of a person, I'm getting to know him and whatnot. Yeah, that kind of changed, you know, some of my, um, the way yeah. I look at I have a nephew uh, too, but it's not like it's. I'm not actually his father's brother, but uh, we've been hanging out for so long, and I'm. <laughs> I was invited also by the mom to kind of be part of his life, which oh. felt like, oh, you want me to be part of a kid's life? <laughs> is that <laughs> sure is about that sound? That? <laughs> is that a good idea, really? But it yeah. definitely like he, he he grows really quickly, and it definitely a different perspective. They do. And when I haven't seen him in a while, his name is Hannibal, by the way. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> when I haven't seen him in a while, you know, I I feel like I I gotta go see him. So I think the world lands is kind of their world, you know. 
in a way. Exactly. And yeah. That ties together with his song. You know, it's, it's the, the it kids' it, world, and they have really the, a bit more of. They have the innocence, in a sense, you know, still. And, uh, you know, they're not doing the horrible things that Steve is listing in this song. So. No, exactly. But they could be, they could fall victim to it. And I think that's yeah. what he's uh, kind of listing in a way. Um, they could become the problem as well, you know. Exactly. If you have a bad... Part of the problem bad, in some way. If you, it's not even your fault in that sense. If you have a really, really bad upbringing, for example, you could become any of these kind of... Uh, offenders i guess that he lists in the song so it's big message uh, and i think yeah. if, if you really kind of give it your time uh, then there's something to it i think very much so and uh, yeah it, and it has it has these you know it's a very dark song mm. on a very dark album um and it really deals with dark themes all, yeah. all through it mm. yeah <laughs> they say things are getting better Meanwhile, there's someone starving or something like. Yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> it's like a French movie. Once you think it's oh, it's good now. No, someone died. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty much like that. It's uh, like a Russian novel. You know, everything yeah. is going down. <laughs> and I think with Steve on this one, uh, uh, in, in in that regard, I think he, he the whole album he's wearing these goggles. You know, these uh, darkening goggles. Perspective is dark. Uh, I don't know exactly when his father passed, but I think it was around this time. So way before, way before Blood Brothers. Yeah, and, and he had his divorce. And then, of course, Martin Birch went into pension, Bruce left the band, and it was divorce. So there's like a quadrant of, of loss. I, I, I'm just looking yeah. at the track list here for uh, The X Factor. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think if, if, if you want a, a fun uh, a Maiden album to put on when you're having a few beers, this probably is not the one to go for. Uh, <laughs> no. For instance, like just like three songs in a row, you have Judgment of Heaven, Blood on the World's Hands, and The Edge of Darkness. Like, yeah, yeah. it's not a, a not a feel-good kind <laughs> no. of situation. <laughs> That's where I got the Catholic vibe, I think. You know? But uh, I don't know, again, I don't know. For, it's like this is a pop culture version of, of Catholic vibe that I get, you know, pop culture, like repent for your sins. And, well, that's, that is, the, I would say, you're, you're right there, because there's, there's a, you know, the, the Catholic kind of, you know, you, you, you should feel bad about stuff because that's what you should be doing. If, if, you're, not, if, if you're not feeling bad, you're doing it wrong. That's, that's basically how, that's how that works. So that's, that's true. That's, that's, it's a very Catholic album then, I guess. Yeah, I guess. And, you know, the dark color, you know, I think of a dark cathedral. And in a sense, they are right that everyone has a bit of that, <clears throat> a bit of that burden, I think, uh, just being a, being a human, I think you have a little bit of yep. that with you. And I think that's why maybe for me, X Factor was never a downer. I think it's more of a perspective and you don't necessarily have to join Steve's perspective as you listen. You can kind of, you can still be happy in, in your yeah. position, but look at it what? through his dark lenses. I mean, I also yeah. just on that note before, just uh, what I mean, even though it's a very dark kind of record, uh, there's a lot of music I listen to that's, you know, pretty dark and gloomy, but doesn't make me feel bad. Like, for instance, like, I'm a huge Alice in Chains fan. Yeah, great. That stuff is pretty bleak. And, you know, it, does, it, you know, it doesn't mean just you're listening to something, quote-unquote, sad, that you, you too will be sad. Uh, it's just that, you know, there's... If I was going to, you know... If, if I have a party, maybe I'd throw on Two Minutes of Midnight over maybe, say... Judgment of Heaven, or, yeah. or but still, to, to, <laughs> to Midnight is also involving burning babies. Yeah, know? it just sounds. Yeah, I know it just sounds more. You know, yeah, but but, but it's party. happy. Yeah, it's a party. It's sound. happy baby burning. It's not happy not baby. sad. Yeah, happy baby burning for sure. Two happy minutes. baby burning. That's that's a T-shirt <laughs> as well. Yeah, that's a T-shirt. Happy baby burning. The what smell of '98. Yeah, happy of, baby yeah, burning. Right. <laughs> There's good themes here. Um, good themes here. 
Uh, we talked about it in the last episode, the the, the bass episode. Because mm. uh, Steve, when Steve does this, uh, yeah, in the intro, mm. uh, that riffs come. It, it does come back in. No, sorry, it's in. that riff oh yeah so it, 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 it there is a callback to the intro so the intro isn't all out there uh, like the first time i heard it i thought this has nothing to do with the rest of the song but it actually it actually does he does outline some of the the riffs the i guess it's not a sus four I, i was wrong on that previous episode sorry all music theory nerds out there uh it's more of a add 11 i guess yeah so Yeah. I caught on to something there. That, could you play that again? That... It's uh, another simple melody, right? And uh, yeah, uh, that's, I think it's appealing. I like that melody. Yeah, it's it's the same notes as uh, Blood Brothers. It's the same key. Yeah, that's so it's, cool. Uh, that's just so fun to listen to. Sa- same time signature. It's the same, yeah. I mean, this song changes time signature uh, quite a bit, but essentially it's in six eight, and it's in E minor, and you have that uh, that line. Such a lamenting line, you know. It sounds like a, a yeah, very much so. Crying, Very sad. Uh, sad. It's just, it's just, yeah. it's just so fun to listen to you do this. I mean, if you, if you, if you're ever going to play through Rock and Rio again, can we just sit there and listen to you do it? Do we not? <laughs> of course, it's a good bonus episode for like patrons or something. Listen, to, very, very much yeah, so. Listen to it through, through, through Eric play through the whole thing. It would yeah. just be him playing and us going, "Wow, that's great!" <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you do that one? Um, but yeah, I mean, they're in the same key and basically the same time signature, uh, but they're vastly different. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it has to do with, you know, where the melody lands. Because yeah. in the Blood Brothers you have that, that major third. Yeah. Whereas here you have only... It's only minor here, it's only... Oh only sad <laughs> very sad and more monotonous in a sense and again this lamenting type sound it's uh this is not a party song <laughs> no it's no not no a party song. <laughs> it's not a party song and I, th- i would say that today's episode was a bit of a bit of an undertaking for for me i don't know about you guys but there was a lot here in terms of the responsibility with the the emotional aspect of of steve harris i think and uh I mean, like very much so it's way different way more difficult to do this than the, the base of the beast i would say Like a, yeah, but I was looking very much. I've been looking forward to this one for you know uh, just doing this song or not this song in particular, more so the Blood Brothers for, for since we kind of started doing this. So you know, so this for me this was very fun. Uh, but yeah, obviously this this was a little heavier than say base yeah. you know the, the base episode or for instance maybe the assassin episode. Yeah. Uh, or uh, <laughs> yeah. So but yeah, definitely it's more it was more daunting in that sense. It's a pretty wide mood palette in Maiden. Definitely. Oh yeah, God yeah, that uh, yeah. Very much so. Constricted to not a certain type of lyrics, but the lyrics usually have a, a tone to them, right? But uh, here we can see the different palettes, and uh, both these songs heavy, yeah. 
heavyweight songs about uh, oh, yeah. the world and about humanity, I would say. Mm. I, would, I would love them to bust out this Blood in the World's Hand to do, do the live again. I would love to hear that with Bruce. That would uh, be so cool. Ooh, yeah. Right. That, that one, I mean, to me, that's like, would be even higher than Alexander the Great. Hearing this one with, with Bruce and three guitars and live, because you can really tell on the album that it's it's been done in his studio. It's, I mean, the intro has this certain tempo that it ends in, and then it starts off They're a bit slower. Tempo, so it's yeah. kind of like, ugh, you kind of want to start off like faster and more aggressive than it actually does there is a good live version of it uh, on youtube with blaze which is really good where you can really get that you know angry energy and i think with bruce, uh, bruce and three guitar players it could really like be an not an anthem but it, it, it could yeah. be really cool it could, yeah. it, it could, it could kind of do with with that song which what kind of happened to say sign of the cross and clansman when bruce did it because that became these that, those songs became bigger and so yeah. these big you know things as well yeah this is just an idea. I don't think this is going to happen, but it'd be great because in, 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 let's see, in four years, uh, it'll be the, uh, oh my God, what is it? This is it the 30th anniversary of the album of the X Factor? Something like that? <laughs> I think so. If yeah, they did like a like tour that, yeah. around that and they could get, you know, they could even get Blaze on there to do a couple songs with them. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a duet. I think that'd be really cool. I don't think that'll happen. Speaking <clears> of Blaze in context of this episode and wrapping it up, uh, he also did a very good Blood Brothers uh, as, as he got older with the fe- uh, previously featured. Uh, classic guitarist Thomas Switzen. Yeah, uh, it's really good. I might cut in a little bit from it uh, in, in post because I think he sings it very well. Uh, he's such a dramatic singer, and I wanted to touch on that last minute now. That uh, my friend and I we were listening to X Factor, and <laughs> and we thought that when he, when it matters the most, when Blaze is supposed to be the most uh, emotional and dramatic, he almost gets into overload. So it's almost like he, he, he very can't much so. project the, the the emotions when they are too strong. And you can really hear it in this song, that thing. Like it's, <laughs> it doesn't sound emotional because it's kind of overload. You know, it's, it's mm. the drama level hits the the roof, and I think that's why Steve wanted him in the band because he's a dramatic singer. But uh, very much it so. almost goes into overload. Yeah, I just listened the other day uh, to his latest album. Um, what's it called? I think it's called. Probably should have checked that before I mentioned it. Um, hold on one second. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, let's see. It's called. It's called Re- the Redemption of uh, William Black. Uh, it came out oh, 2018. Yeah. Uh, it's the part three in his story. He did, he did a tr- trilogy of albums, and he's so it's so good. He's so good on that one. I just uh, yeah. I'm looking for. He has a new one coming up in a couple of. But I think it's. Well, when this when this drops. It'll be about a month until his new album comes Ooh. out. Ooh. So maybe it's a good time to get in contact with him. Then. Oh yeah, I want to. Yeah, the, yeah I'd be, I'd be, you really should. That'd be cool. That would be amazing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think we've landed on a pretty comfortable spot here. But I'm going to turn my eyes towards our guest and ask you if you you may have something more to add with your base, uh, with your thoughts, uh, kind of to to wrap it up. <laughs> To wrap it up, uh, first of all, thanks for having me again. It's been it's okay. been great fun. I feel I feel a little less like having a live gig on this <laughs> on this occasion <laughs> because now I know how this works. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean these songs, both of them are are really important to me. Like I, I've 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 been playing them for a long time, and uh, it was really fun to you know dive into just these two and dissect them. And although we didn't spend as much time with uh, the latter song, I, I think yeah we 
we touched on what I wanted to touch upon yeah. with these two cool songs. Yeah, I mean, we did spend way more time on Blood Brothers, and I, I thought it would take time, but I didn't realize how much it was to comment on that one. You know, I really had to kind of cut off two two points of discussion, you know, just just for the sake of that. And I think we could have gone longer too if you wanted to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks a lot again. I think uh, definitely we will do another episode in in a while, you know. But uh, now I'm actually also looking forward to uh, to uh, next week with uh, it was going to be just me and Eric for the next one. Yeah. Uh, Brave New World and the Book of Souls. So that's like yes. a, oh. an epic episode. And yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be a big one. Um, a lot to say there and before speaking of things to say uh we, we forgot one thing uh the oh, yeah. blood on the world's hand is that going to go in list or not i'd say no just because i know what's coming uh yeah. but uh it's up to you guys so to me it's an, it's an important song so yeah. i i would put it on there right. because it, it's kind of a song that no one expects there so i'd put it there mm-hmm. yeah um, i would then say then like, we'll, that's me then it'll go on for me, it would be like the assassin. Like uh, I'd, I'd like to see it put there, but I have a hard time seeing it stay. You know, with, we'll see. We'll put it on there, and we'll. It's, be, it's yeah. better than the assassin, but I like that one too. Uh, but it's also maybe not a stayer. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard with this. You know, coming in the top fifty in a big catalog like Maidens. Eventually, maybe we can get the the listeners uh, to vote on some of these as well. Right. When, 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 we, when we get, you know, when when we, you know, in like, you know, four years kind of get our you know start or start you know c- compiling the final list we can get people to vote on yes or no for the various songs that could be kind of fun yeah so speaking you have that to look forward to and you know speaking yeah of, uh, for listeners uh, great engagement lately guys uh, very fun to see I, I i think it's important for us to to know that we're not alone in, in this and we definitely don't feel alone uh, no definitely good engagement both on instagram and now uh, eric you started the uh, the private uh, Facebook group as well. Yeah, it's called it's called Maiden A to Z Friends of the Beast. Uh, you're welcome to join, and uh, it's, it's just it's not just going to be just us talking about pod stuff. It's going to be also whatever you guys want to talk about, uh, as long as it's sort of semi Maiden related. You know, and anything goes. Yeah, I'm so, already there. So yeah, if you wanna, that's great. If you wanna tell me that my bass playing sucks, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah, I think you've got a lot to prove if you if you wanna. If you want to claim that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks again, Eric. It was it was great fun today. You're welcome back whenever you want, man. It was great. It was fun. A lot of fun. I'm gonna enjoy a light-hearted dinner <laughs> after this. Yeah. Not thinking yeah, about me too. Not in the and world's it... hands, and uh, you know, not thinking about my family possibly passing away or anything like that. Because yeah, big, huge topics. Heavy indeed. Episode. Indeed, heavy stuff with a heavy guest. All right. Well, until next time. Uh, up the irons. Up the irons. <laughs>